Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Lion, directed by Garth Davis and released in 2016. The plot goes something like this. A five-year-old Indian boy gets lost in Calcutta, thousands of miles from home, and is adopted by an Australian couple. 20 years later, he traces his roots. Garth is a terrible name. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm focused on the important things. Well, like um, Brooks. <laughs> sorry? Does it make you think of Garth Brooks? Is that no, why? it makes me think of like Wayne's World. That's what, primarily what it makes me think of. Anyway, um, so yeah, we watched Lion this week. It was days ago. And uh, well, this movie has clearly not left enough of an impression on me to be particularly memorable at this point in time. I, I but, keep thinking about like stuff, like ideas from the movie. And, and also I keep thinking about, it keeps coming back to me in like ways where the various adults failed the children mm. and this child in particular and could have done something just a little bit different or tried a little bit harder and things would have gone differently. But, yeah, uh, actually it really stuck with me actually. It's Nicole Kidman's big Oscar grab, another big Oscar grab. She's already got She one. was really, really good in this and she was really good in this because I think the, Nicole Kidman we've talked about before as like when she tries to do warm roles, it doesn't tend to work because she's got this whole Ice Queen thing. But she was much, much warmer and better in this movie. Like, she felt much more like a real person in this movie than she has in anything I've seen her in in years. Do you know, um, I think she might have, because she's playing, like, within her own nationality, within her own culture. I think that's part of like, it. I, I also she's, wonder she if is, there's, you know, raised middle-class Australian and grew up in the 80s. You know, she probably does have a lot deeper understanding of what this woman would be like. That's true. But there's also this, I, I think I, I had this idea the other day of like, I realized that her kids are adopted, right? And I wondered if her maybe. Too, yes. I wondered if, I didn't know she had any other ones. She, um, she and Keith Urban have a daughter that she gave birth to and a daughter that was born by surrogate. Okay. So, I so wonder she has if she a lot of interest connect, in this yeah. space. Yeah. I, that's what I meant was I just wondered if, if she might connect with the ideas that were being presented in this movie. I think that's part of it too. It's very personal for her. And I mean, that worked, you know, I, I, um. I would have actually liked to see Daisy Wenham more because um, mm. I like him and he was really, really underused in this movie. Yeah, it was more. It was very much about the relationship between um, Lion, what's his name, um, Saru and his mothers, like and his and his brother, surrogate mother slash girlfriend. Yeah, who like acted more like a mother to him than a girlfriend half the time, and you're like, <laughs> oh god. But anyway, yeah, well, um, yeah, that the the level of emotional work that women just do in relationships, even when, but she's not. Teenagers, real either. Yeah. Um. She well, she's the based on she's a real person, but she's not really a real cat. Like from yeah. the story, a real person. So oh, yeah, presumably they didn't get permission from his real girlfriend, maybe girlfriends too. Um. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um. I didn't know that until after I watched the movie, but mm. I d it definitely makes sense because she doesn't feel real. She doesn't. She she doesn't feel like she belongs in this story in a lot of ways to me. She's also a little too conveniently placed in too many places to like answer his questions or have him bounce ideas off her. Like this, it's kind of like she fulfills a story need. Yeah, and and also the the storyline with her was often the least compelling part of the movie, and also the least um, sympathetic as far as Saru is concerned. Um, like, yeah, he becomes he's... quite unsympathetic when he's around. Mm -hmm. I want to say Lucy. Lucy, yeah. He he becomes really like. Um, awful to this person who's just nice to him all the time and really self-involved and obsessive and and unfair. Well, it is kind of like he's a toddler and she, she's the mother who puts yeah, up with Yeah, exactly. It. Um, it's much more interesting to see all of his 
Um, like, and, and obviously, you know, he's, he's going to have a lot of issues and he's going to have a lot of real trauma and pain coming from what happened to him as a child. It just like when he's unloading all of that on somebody who's nothing but supportive, you're just kind of like, it, it's like watching Dr. Strange at the beginning of Dr. Strange when you don't like him, you know, when he's unloading all of this stuff of, of having hurt his hands onto poor, um, Rachel McAdams, who's done mm. nothing, you know. It feels yeah. like that a lot of the time, and um, it's frustrating. And it's such it, it's such a long movie as well, so it's, you kind of feel like you just want it to happen. Yeah, well, the story's so weirdly put together. That's why I say I keep thinking about ideas from the movie and sort of things that it raised, but not so much the movie itself because I think the story was sort of put together wrong. I actually think that because of the way it goes, which is basically we have 45 minutes of five-year-old Zuru mm. and – um, all of his journey and his his life in his town with his mother and his brother and his sister and what he getting lost and being lost in Calcutta and getting found and going to the orphanage and all that like there's full forty five minutes of all of that and you get really quite attached to him because the little mm-hmm. kid who plays him Sunny Pawa is great really good like that kid, God, that kid's good. he carries the movie for the first half you know we we did um I don't know when what order these are going to go out with but we did Queen of Catway last week and I was talking about the the girl in that. Mm. And this is what I wanted out of that girl. Like, yeah. And the, the, the big brother as well. Um, Guru was really, really yeah, good Yeah, he was well. fantastic. And these guys are not – I mean, he's five. He's probably not had too much training. No. But everything that he does is just – you watch it and you just feel so much for him. Just watching him on that train, losing it, you're just so oh. kind of – it's so emotional. Um, and that was, that's what I was, I think I was missing from that movie is I was so involved in this kid's story. Um, and, and for me, actually the thing that most resonated for me, the scene that I remembered the most and kept thinking about afterwards is the scene with this woman called Noor, who, um, oh, is the woman who God. picks him who off, off the train. Him for the yeah. pedophile. Yep. That's the bit that like, every time I think about this movie, that's what I think of. Um, I just was I'd thinking about right what until right now, but like, oh well, my God. I, was, I was thinking about what the movie is presenting and what the culture of like what's going on around that and, and like how she gets involved in it. And I just was really kind of, um, like, and, and he knows something's wrong so quickly and mm. it's just really interesting to me. And, and I, I, that's what I was thinking about the most more than almost anything else in this movie. Um, I think part of it is also that the movie's pretty predictable. It's mm. supposed, it's like, it's based on a true story, but it is, it's very much like those, you know, the, um, inspiration porn movies. The music is inspiration porny, the way it's shot, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the biggest part of that for me is the fact that he's like, just given up on finding, you know, his mother and he, he's ripped all his maps down and then he goes on the computer and then he accidentally figures out where they, where they are. And you're like, this, this is really it what you're doing. It feels manufactured. It feels so manufactured and so fake. And it never gets that momentum back, like the realism of it back until he actually meets, sees his mother again. Mm. You never, I never got back into it until that moment. Uh. It lost me for a long time yeah. after well, that. Cause I was, I was like, oh, that's so unreal. Yeah. And it's not. Um, I also feel like Dev Patel is really doing a lot of work here. He, um, his accent's not too bad. Thank God. Um, his Australian accent is not like horrific. We, yeah, it gets we much saw, better when he's around David Wenham and, and Nicole Kidman. Yeah. We actually saw, uh, I saw Rooney Mara in the movie and I was like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. I hope she's not just playing Australian because it would have been too much, I think. But, but he was all right. But more importantly, he really kind of, he did a good job of showing Suru like, being obsessed and falling apart and how much this has affected him and things like that in a way that I felt like we didn't need all of the emotionally manipulative flashback bits. There's a bit where um it's been ages since we saw Guru and then he's, I think he's having a fight with his other, the, his adoptive brother 
Mantosh and then we see him and I yeah. was like, this is what you want to do? Like comparing this other poor kid to um, his perfect brother. <laughs> this is what you want to do? Mm. It's so awful to him. It's so awful to Mantosh, this movie. Yeah. Um, poor Mantosh, who seems to have behavioral problems at, from the moment they adopt him. Mm-hmm. And c- these continue into adulthood and kind of spiral into drug abuse and mm. like all kinds of social problems this poor kid has. Um, and at the end, it says it was made like he gets a thank you in the credits as though like he's given consent. That he's, that's his real name. That's a real person. He's given consent for this story. Um, somehow, and I'm like, wow, they couldn't get it from the girlfriend, but they could get it from him. Um, <laughs> although perhaps they need, needed to rewrite the girlfriend so much that they um, just decided to make her fake girlfriend. Yeah, maybe. Um, Who knows? I, I don't know. Um, it, that sort of thing, yeah, though, I, the it really makes it feel like it's not it, – that it's, it's all part of this feeling that this movie isn't as real as it's presented. Well, I just – the storytelling to me was all messed up mm. because you're supposed to relate to um, – to Saru as your main character, but we don't like. There's two different Sarus, right? Mm. There's little Saru who is amazing and adorable, and there's big Saru who is also really good and lovely and sweet and can carry a movie, right? But we don't meet him till more than halfway mm-hmm. through the movie. Yeah, it's ha- problem. It's just, and then we're supposed to. Ca- we don't meet any of them. We don't meet Nicole Kidman. We don't meet Daisy Wenham or any of the adult, the the, the sort of big name actors until ha- we're more than halfway through. So. Why would we care about you? We actually want to know what happened to this little kid. Well, the, and, and you the, just and you, what you who, do is bring us straight to them. And now, instead of this, but, is and the s- person who does the most work in that regard is Nicole Kidman. She does the best work in terms of making us care about her character. She's not actually in that all that many scenes, mm. but from the moment she shows up with that magnificent perm, just amazing hair, um, it, like everybody in the cinema laughed. Yeah. the second she was on screen. Well, there was um, a photo and. I thought at that time they'd actually got out one of her like BMX Bandits era photos because that is what Nicole Kidman's hair actually looked like yeah. in the 80s. It was amazing. It's amazing. And she and then she shows up with the hair and you're like, oh, my God. And she's instantly really um, – instantly kind of connects, you know, and, and yeah, this well, feeling of her, mm-hmm. the nerves and the, and the kind of – um, attention to this child and, and all of that stuff comes mm. through so clearly so quickly. Yeah. Um, and then she doesn't have a lot of time to build that. No. There's not long before we get Mantosh and then we're at, and then they're adults, you know, that yeah. it's really, really quick after that, which is silly because it takes such a long time on other things, but these important things that happen go by, by so fast. But she, she does a really good job, I think, of, of creating this character and making her real so much so that I forgave her for that idiotic bit later where she's talking about this vision that she had as a child of seeing a brown kid and wanting to well, adopt bit kids. And you're like, really? Well, see, I actually thought that bit was interesting because it, it seems like something that might have really happened. Well, yeah, the movie doesn't shy away from the ugly side of international adoption. And I think there's, there's been a cultural change in sort of recent times, but even up until like, I can remember being in uni like 15 years ago and hearing people talk about, oh, there's too many kids and there's too, there's already enough people in the world. It's, I'm going to do good and adopt children. There's all these kids who need a home and, you know, that kind of white savior, um, idea about adopting kids from a foreign country because you can give them a better life here, you know, thousands of miles from their parents. Um, and I think there's been a real shift away from, from that as, as being seen as like a heroic thing to do, but I can really, really imagine someone of that generation kind of learning about, you know, there are these orphanages in, in India and there are kids there who don't have families and who aren't, or aren't able to find them and who are living in horrible conditions. I can totally th- imagine someone in her position, like, because she's not wealthy. She's from Tasmania, which is like Australia's at the arse end of the world and Tasmania's at the arse end of Australia, right? She's from the Sorry, end Jonas. of the world. It re- but it is like it's the end of the world. She's from miles away. She's from a very small part of a very small country. She's been 
very isolated in her little white middle class world. They they obviously have a nice house and mm. a good life and all this kind of thing. She's got this great white savior complex, and I, that scene to me was good because it it doesn't she doesn't look good. She doesn't come out of that looking good. No, and it and the movie it, and yeah, that's presumably really um, Shrew's book doesn't shy away from the fact that what these people did, what the, his parents did was ethically very questionable and it still happens. So, so it's yes, hard it's because bad it's, because it's, it's, she's, it's racist. Her motivations are, yeah, are horrifying right. and racist. But, but at the same time, it's probably also that's, that's the truth of it. It's hard also because like y- you do see the conditions that he was living in and they're awful. And like, mm. you know, and it's this question of, well, what, what can anybody do mm. to help in that situation? Because he is like that, 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 orphanage there are kids being beaten and taken away to be raped and all this sort of stuff and that it's not better for him to be there no it's not it, i think though there's a lot more nuance like and, um, and they didn't they didn't have the internet like nowadays we have what we have is a lot of um adults who've grown up as like the indian or chinese child of white parents who've now grown up and started telling their stories and talking through some of the issues they face with being like the only one of their culture in the whole sort of social circle that they grew up in. And so now we've got a lot more information about what that's like and about how a lot of white families just assimilated their children. or um, and, and even now it's still really common to do this kind of international adoption in certain Christian communities because the idea is to save, literally save as in become Christian, as many kids as you can. Um, and so you can – Harry so- Potter, um, Fantastic Beasts. Yes. Yeah, that's still a thing that happens. Um, and – so, yeah, they, they, they wouldn't have had that kind of information. The information they would have had was that these kids are growing up poor, the conditions in the orphanages are horrible. And, like, when that's part of the way we see it in the fact that we do have all this time with Suru and his family, we see it for, through our perspective of, oh, why didn't they just look a little bit harder? Or why didn't, you know, he could clearly not speak I don't, the language. I, I why do didn't not they, understand. Whatever. I don't know. Th- I, I mean, you know, watching this movie, how, well, how could they find her? It took him years to find her with the internet mm. and with all that information. What could they do to yeah, find her? Well, I mean, in the, the 80s with no internet. The, with well, no- the clue that they have is that he doesn't speak um, whatever language they're speaking in Calcutta, in, um, Bengal. He Bengal, doesn't speak yeah. Bengal. And so that's the clue, I guess, that they have. But, but that's – that's and, and he's and also saying – he's saying his own name wrong as well yeah. that we find out at the end of the movie. So, like, if he's saying – no he doesn't know his name – his mother is poor in this tiny village that is way, way off the beaten and track. And she's illiterate. There's probably no birth certificate for him or his brothers. There's no father of record. Brother and sister. Yeah, brother and sister. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there's no – there's nothing yet. The, the sister uh, – I can understand not remembering the sister because she barely factors into this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just forgot. Anyway. Um. But, yeah, no, I can understand why they don't find – find a place to go so you kind of feel like well what else would have you know yeah what else would happen it's it's almost for the best that this is what's happened but i i, I like that it doesn't you seem- definitely get the feeling that saru thought that at yeah by and, the end and- of the movie is that like everybody tried their best um hmm. or the people who were caring yeah for based tried on the information that was available at the time the other character that i was interested in was the woman who came into the orphanage um uh, to Mrs. try and Noor or whatever her name. Mrs. no Noor is the other Sorry. yeah um, who um was like she's clearly a very tough lady who was mm. going into these awful conditions and trying really hard to pull kids out. Yeah, um, it seems she helped on the film as well. Yeah, so um, she seems interesting as well. But it does seem like that you know there's not a lot of options. Um, and when you've got when you're presented with some bad options, what's the best one that you can? Yeah, take? and all he's got is a few good people in a system that's set up not to help him. Yeah, 
The movie would have been much better structured if we'd been introduced to adult Saru. Yeah. We flashed back flashback. to kid Saru a yep. lot of the time, but we stuck with adult Saru as he starts figuring all these things out. Because we watch him figure these things out long after we've seen all these things happen. Yep. Yep. And that doesn't make sense narratively if we're trying to look at it from his yes. perspective. And this is, I mean, I think they're yep. trying to do something non-traditional, but they would have been much better off going with a more traditional method because it would have been much clearer. We would have had the better connection with mm-hmm. adult Saru. We would have understood while he watches. So if we watch him be- go from being the guy who's like, oh, I'm from a Australia and I don't speak um uh, I don't speak Hindi or Bengal and I don't like he because adult Saru is like that he yeah, doesn't yeah. and he doesn't know how to eat Indian food and and you know yeah, he, yeah. he's he's very disconnected and, from his culture and, it's, and it, it starts seems like back to him it, well it, it seems like the first time he meets other Indians other than his brother his adopted brother is when he goes to university which exactly. is um yeah so this that was basically the tirade I was trying to launch into at the start of the show the episode when I said it structured the wrong way because that's exactly right you do not connect to this guy because you don't we've spent half an hour, like even with the work 45 that, that minutes Dev, the really good work that Dev Patel is doing yeah and he is so good in this like it he deserves to, better it needed to start with him and we needed to follow his journey of discovery the moment he finds his mother again is like the best moment for him in the movie and it's right near the end like he, and very much near the end and he's a good so job good in that yeah he really does he's so good at that but he also does a good job of like there's other little moments i think that were really good before that but the movie's also really humorless especially when he's an adult it's really dour yeah. um and it's really like you know having the flashbacks to when he was a kid would have lightened some of that and then it would have been more effective mm. when certain things happened i mean i watched the movie when it got to the adult i was like can't we just keep watching the kid yeah and it would have been made a lot more sense with things like in the middle there's this whole big scene of where he's friends with this group of uni students some of whom are indian and the food that they're making and serving triggers him back to mm. remembering where he came from and like that would have been so much more effective starting early in the film like mm. this adult going through his life living in melbourne um the, the bit where he talks about going for the Aussies and stuff, like in his in, in his class and stuff, all that sort of thing, like ha- have that up front mm. and and flash back to this kid. Yeah, then you do that. That's much more effective. Much better. I feel almost like the movie was trying to be more a movie that was like a tribute to Gudu and the about him ah. than about Saru, because like there's so much of him. We get one scene with the mum that we end up like reconnecting with at the end of the movie. Mm. One scene in the entire childhood bit. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is Guru and Saru. Everything else. Yeah. And um, I I can understand the the want to do that, the desire to do that, mm. because this he he um died, and you know he's going to as well. Like right at the start. I mean, even just the amount of focus on him. Um, and it's just the very opening scene when he's on the top of the train and he's got his arms out. Mm. You're like, oh, he's gonna die. But it gets more and more firm, especially when the last thing we see is him leaving. Saru, and then we flash back to the him looking for Saru, which uh, it turns out probably didn't happen because he got hit by a train and he Almost died that night. Yeah. yeah, which is why he didn't come back for him. Um, mm. And it's it's don't get me wrong, it's horribly sad, especially since the kid who's playing Gadoo is this gorgeous child who mm. is just so talented, and incredibly charismatic. Yeah, yep. incredibly charismatic, and and just the affection pouring off him for this kid, and it just it's, he's great. Well, it also it, and it also sells it Dev Patel at the end when he meets his mother and he's got that moment of just sheer delight at seeing her again and then just the horror of finding out that he died and his mother's kind of in the actress who's playing his mother does a really good job here because mm. she's she's known this for 20 years 25 years her, she's been without a son she knew what happened to him she didn't know what happened to this kid and so now he's got to learn that for the first time and that raw grief and she's sitting there with her sort of 25 year old grief and mm. she's like that there's this awkward moment 
um, just after they've they've reunited, mm. and that's really done well as well. Yeah, that that's what I'm, I mean. That whole scene was great. And then the sister comes up, and you're like, oh yeah, he has a sister. Um, yeah, <laughs> because I, she doesn't factor into this story at all. I hadn't forgotten the sister, but she was kind of like younger than you he was. I had in that moment, I think, just like the. Well, re- I see because re- I they came around the corner, and I was like. Where are the siblings? And it was obvious we were going to find out that Gudu had died, but I was like, where's the sister? So, yeah. Okay. That, to I me, didn't think to that. me I, I was thinking maybe. I was going, which one's his mother? Because well, it was a whole bunch of well, women. Well, just because I, like, I, they, I knew that the whole town was bringing all these people. I was like, if there is any relative that he has, even if it's an auntie or a third cousin, they will be there in that group. Yeah. So I didn't think yeah. of it that way. I was just trying to figure out which one the mother was. Yeah. Because um, she's got different hair. And Oh, it was obvious to me. There's eyes. She's, yeah, very distinctive looking. I didn't. It was it was like there were like fifteen women on the screen. <laughs> like it, it just took I, I me a minute she to just, figure it yeah, out. Yeah, no, so. I, I didn't have any trouble. I just recognised her from. I think I know the actress. Okay. Um, yeah. I do not, and I, d- I don't. We'd only seen her like twice too. I mean, this is a woman that like this. His mother. We see more in flashbacks when he's an adult than we do when he's a child. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The the structure of this movie is really shoddy. Um. <laughs> But the, the thing is, I wasn't feeling that way for the first half of the movie because I was so caught up in Saru's story, the little Saru's story, you know? Mm. Like, I wasn't thinking about the structure. I was well, just thinking about the next uh, thing was, he was going through. And I was because what little I'd seen of the marketing materials for the movie, I was like, isn't this supposed to be a movie about Nicole Kidman? And oh, yeah. Deb I thought that Patel? a couple of times. But um, I was like, whatever. I'll just watch. I, like, I, I, so I got into it and I enjoyed it. Kid. Um, but it, into the kid, I, that sounds terrible. But because I knew that there was something else coming, I was like, They've told this wrong. And that was all I could think of through the whole movie. I was like, they've told this wrong. Yeah, I thought that for the whole end of it. And, and like, I had to take a break from this movie for a bit as well because I wasn't feeling well. Um, but the fact that I wasn't feeling well and I was so caught up in the beginning of it probably says something. Um, yeah, and, and it mostly says that, it. That, that it was, it was like a really good, it was a really good movie up until about halfway through. <laughs> I just think that the adults ruined it. <laughs> not ruined it. I mean, they were trying, but it just, the way that it was told was not good. And it does feel very inspiration porny, especially by the end. I mean, it's good to see the real Saru and he brings his adoptive mother and she meets the birth mother and the real people are there. Yes. And that was really interesting and that was really cool. But like, you know, it, the movie had so much ground to make up by then because we yeah. we lost so much connection with what is, yeah. was going on. And then the very end, by the way, at the end of the credits, there's this bit where they actually show, uh, show Gudu on the top of the train again. Um, which yeah. was a really, this is what I mean, what I mean by this is a movie that's about Gudu more than it is about Saru. And once he's gone and we don't know what happens to him for so long, the movie loses all, a lot of its tension and a lot of its effect. Um, and it seems mm. to be a movie that's more about being a tribute to that child than it is about being a story about Saru. I just don't think it works. I understand why you'd want to do that, but it doesn't work for this movie. It just makes you go, well, now what is there to watch? Well, this should be a really interesting story as well. It should be a really interesting story, but it, it loses a lot of that interest by being so by the numbers and predictable yeah. and manufactured. It loses a lot of that kind of real, uh, you know, these inspiration porn movies, they do this all the time too, um, especially when they're based on real people's stories. They do this thing where they over-sensationalize it mm. and they they ruin it. Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm trying to think about that for a minute. Um I think I really hate inspiration porn stuff. Yeah, I hate inspiration porn too, but I just I really don't think this movie I think this movie is really trying to do something different. 
and it's um it's telling the the kid's story and i think it's it does that the wrong way obviously as we've discussed but i think it it is trying to put it all in saru's perspective but it's telling good. the kid's story at the expense of the adult it's yeah. telling it's telling the story no, I, of sorry this. i don't mean the kid i'm telling it's telling saru's story oh, i don't think it's sorry rather than um, i think it's telling the 5 year old story at the expense of the person that he is now there is a bit of that that's what i feel like it's telling the story of Saru and Gudu at the expense of Adult Saru. It should yeah. be the story of this journey that Adult Saru goes on, but it's not. Well, yeah, bec- it's because, a story of because this is not this this is not a person we hear from very often. We don't often hear from someone, even in same culture adoption. We don't hear a lot of adoption stories from the perspective of the person who was adopted. Um, and it, it's would have been a really good opportunity to kind of take someone and look at his character as an adult, and then dig back into mm. why he's like that. Mm. And what happened to form this person? Uh, and it's also we also yeah. Miss- instead, what we're doing is we're going. How did this child turn into a yeah an adult? Like we, this? the other thing we're missing is, and I know this is hard to film. We miss the years between five and twenty-five. We basically jump from him being well six when his brother is adopted through to like him being twenty-six when he goes off to off to Melbourne to study. Like, there's no, there's nothing in between of like. Oh no, there is a little bit. They, they like they play cricket on the beach. Um, that they, there's like a couple of scenes like that where they do stuff and they show Mantosh's adoption and how yeah, and then, that affects her. Yeah, there's, there's and then but then this... after Mantosh's adoption, there's there's nothing like there's no there's no no scene of him trying to fit in at school. I can imagine being like one of one or two Indian kids in a school in like the suburbs of Hobart in the 1980s wasn't exactly great fun. Why isn't that like why don't they dig into that a little bit or um. There's nothing about his own difficult teenage years because you know he. he it seems like he didn't have. Them. He was like he was. Well, he was. It's really funny actually because he goes from being what the um, baby Saru, five year old Saru, is like the very much younger sibling, following after his brother, try, being more adventurous, wanting to try new things, trying to tra- stretch boundaries. But adopted Saru quickly becomes the responsible older sibling like and i i want to see how that turn happens like i i know that uh, mantosh is adopted mantosh has behavioral problems and suddenly well, there's something there's about a different family dynamic but we don't see the all of that we, there's something about those photos that they showed at the end of the family together that made me really upset for mantosh in this movie because there's these photos of these kids smiling together and being together as children that like we never see get yeah, to see that always, we only see Mantosh being difficult. I did that in air quotes. But the thing is, there's almost this subgenre of movie in here that's about being the sibling of a child with a disability. Yeah. Um, and what that's like. But it it's given almost no weight in the story, and yet it's so kind of prevalent to who Saru is as an adult. Um, there's this scene where they have this family dinner, the awkward family dinner scene from hell where Rooney Mara comes over mm-hmm. and um, Mantosh um, and Saru get into an argument and Saru <laughs> really genuinely pulls out the you're not my real brother card yeah um, and there's there's but then they sort of brush that off with like he goes to see Mantosh Mantosh is sleeping and he's like oh I'm sorry and then he goes um, no yeah like and you're like this is what we get well, after this because it's such a kind of it's just a throwaway story it, it in reduces, this movie, and yet it's like clearly really important. It reduces Mantosh's character to his disability. It does, and clearly from the photos, Mantosh is a real person. Yeah, Mantosh is his brother. They hung out. They went sailing together. They played cricket in the backyard. Just because someone is disabled doesn't mean their whole life is misery and and arguments and challenging behaviors. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really sad to see what they decided to do to that 
they make him into an obstacle that Saru has to overcome in order to be a person. Um, it's it's and awful. Also, surely if anyone could have, and I know Mantosh has got his own problems in adulthood, but if anyone could have understood what uh, Saru was going through in terms of wanting to find his parents, wanting to learn about where he came from and all that stuff, surely it would be Mantosh, the only other Indian kid in this white um, Hobart neighbourhood. Like, surely he would have his own thoughts about wanting to find you know, what happened to him, what was his story, and even some bonding over the difficulties that they must have faced in terms of being the kid that's the third culture stuff, being out of your culture of birth, not really belonging in the one you've moved to, but that's the only one you know, and like that stuff. Like surely there was some bonding and interest over that. I think that scene, that awkward dinner scene, is the other one that stood out the most to me actually when I was thinking about it. That one and the the, the scene with Noor when he was a kid. Um, but, yeah, like it, it's so – I don't know. This movie's a mess. Um, yeah, like it is. But I, I don't know. It keeps me. It just really made me think about the stuff that was going on around it. I don't. I just. I feel like because it, it, it lost me. Really, it did. It lost me by the end of the movie. I wasn't there anymore. Um, I wasn't in the story. I wasn't. I was just thinking about it, and I wasn't like feeling it. Apart from thinking critically about, like, I think the Mantosh thing was one of the first things I said when we came out of the movie. I was like, this movie is so hard on him mm. and so unfair to him. Um, and it does I think that. It's an ableist. Even. Ableist, yeah. yeah. It's a really ableist movie. We're in a movie which is about, like, which is partly about racism. But again, they kind of put that, they bring it up and then they put it aside to try and do the, mm. the inspiration story that they want to do. Yeah, I know. And it doesn't. I don't know, the complexity of that kind of seems to fall away once Well, because they... it really focuses on him as an individual and nothing about the systems in which he's being, like, in that's which he's dealing be, with. I mean, that's most stories, really. No, They're no, I get always... it is, but, like... but Well, we've had this problem before. Yeah, and, and I think there's got to be something in there. I We don't see it, but I'm sure if you read the book, you'd find it, of how his character was formed in Australia and what he, what yeah, he had to movie. put up with. I mean, and I'm just, he's, we do have to do certain things, but yeah. I almost feel like you could just, like, it just, it spends so much time on him as a kid and it spends so much time on him as a kid. I can't emphasize how much time we spend oh, yeah. oh, it's just close, following close to his, an hour. Close and to it an is, hour. And it is like, it's like a kid telling the story of what's happened to him. I was doing this thing and then I did this thing and then this happened. And the other thing that, oh no, the other, I think the first thing that I said after the movie was I would not remember shit. I would not remember a thing from when I was five years old. You could put me in a place that I lived and spent every day when I was five years old and say, go home, and I would not have a clue how to get there. Yeah. Like, you know, I, my but my memory doesn't work that way. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I think I can remember. There are certain things I can remember about being five that have not happened since I was five. Like, I've got can remember certain details about my kindergarten classroom and about, um, and about uh, like, my fifth birthday and things like that. But then again, I had the – luxury of having the continuity of living in the same place between when I was born and when I was 13. So, you know, if I remember my childhood home, it's because I lived there till I was almost 13. So Right. And mine, I yeah. didn't. Um, uh, but, but well, also he didn't. And he didn't. He didn't. He had, um, but then again, like, but he, I also had the experience uh, f- about a few years ago of going back to my hometown, childhood hometown, after having not been there for like 18 years and still knowing my way around. But were you five when you left? No, I left when I was like 13 and right. I went back when I was like I, th- I, I think there's a there's a pretty big difference between five and thirteen though. Yeah, um, there is. I know. And the other thing, like, but the thing is, I mean, and also my memory doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Um, but he doesn't remember anything as well. For when he's well, an adult, he remembers nothing from when he was a kid. And then he can find the place on Google Maps well, no, from a 
from no, an aerial well, no, shot. No, no, they have a whole conversation about that. He's got very, very little fragmentary bits. This is when you were sick, actually. Um, but sorry, uh, <laughs> it's not your fault that you got sick. Um, but the, the conversation that he has with his friends, where he first discover realizes, like, has that flashback moment. And by the way, I think they could have used flashback better because I think they were trying to go for a bit of a PTSD type thing where he's doing something and then suddenly he's in the middle of something else, like he's walking along and then he suddenly remembers his brother walking along on the bridge with him. But they don't do it as well as they could. But there's a bit where he sees the um, Jalefri frying. Oh, she's Jalebi? Jalebi, yes, frying uh, in someone's house and he realises he's not from Calcutta and the story he's always told is I'm from Calcutta and I was adopted when I was five. Um, and he so that makes him realise that, they're not from Calcutta they're, because he recognises the food and puts that right, together. Right, and he says the name of the yeah. place where he came from. Yeah, well. um, yeah Ganesh Chile. Um, and so he knows that. He knows the name of the town he came from. He knows and he remembers laying on the train platform, seeing the water tower and his brother leaving. So what the reason he's searching on Google Earth is to look for that water tower. Yeah. So he's that's why he does all the maps and everything. But um, – I, I don't know, like the, a water tower, a name of a town, a mispronounced name, and a memory of a food. That's you know, I can imagine him doing that. But also, no. He's, but then when he sees the Google Maps, we get all these flashbacks of like, I remember exactly doing walking well, this way and walking that way, and then I go I back this things, way. And I, but I think again, this is not told well. But I think things bring things up for him. So he and this happened. It, it also it really happens over like well, like five years. He goes to Melbourne in 2008. He doesn't go to India till 2012. So yeah. he's got like four years, four or five years of actually. And quitting his job, which I was like, how do you get any money to live? And, yeah. and like a lot of things happen in that time where you're like, yeah. wow, okay, this is very intense now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah, well, that was a problem too. But I, I think, I don't, I don't know, but it, they're trying to imply, I think, that as he gets more into the research, he remembers more stuff. Yeah, I, I get that they were trying to imply that, but I didn't. It, it never came no, across to me and I was feel... just like, why is he, you know, I, I just felt like, I mean, and, you could show would... me pictures and everything and I wouldn't remember, but, they would all... remember, but, but I don't have any sense of direction. Also, you can put what, me in a place that what now that I've through was a lost. significant trauma as well. Um, and so there's probably going to be stronger memories around that particular bit of trauma that happened to him mm. and the, all the trauma that came after as well. The trauma we of being on the of... train, being homeless, being lost being in the orphanage. Another point that I want to make about this particular thing is that we see a lot of flashbacks then that we didn't see in the beginning of the movie when we spent an hour with this child, right? Like we see flashbacks to things that we didn't see happen before and we're like, I don't understand why he recognises this place. It's funny. It's almost like they went to India to shoot the India scenes and they had, they're like, oh, we have so much good stuff, we just have to use it all instead of like – actually using it how they intended to use it, which is like more like the second half of the film. You know, him as an adult flashing back, seeing things, remembering stuff. It's so it's baffling and confusing by the time they get to that point. And and again, like that that scene just – I was gone. That scene just made me totally kind of – and even up until then it was really tenuous because he was being such an awful <laughs> human being a lot of the time. And like, you know, if we'd been with him from the beginning – and I understand that intellectually. And if we'd been with him from the beginning, then I think we'd well, feel yeah, a lot more connected yeah, and, to him. And, that's why and if we'd f- watched him slowly unraveling over this thing happening, but we didn't. It was bang and he was horrible and, and to I, his girlfriend who was yeah. like doing nothing but being nice to him. And, and then he talks about um, what this other bit where he's talking about his privileged life, that yeah. bit, or out we living well, that, our privileged that, lives. That didn't actually feel like it was written by 
Saru, real, either the yeah. real Saru or a real person in that situation or Dev Patel. That feels like it was written by the white screenwriter. Yeah, um, exactly. It doesn't that, feel – That feels so It doesn't ring true. And I think also we don't – like if we'd established his character early on and then gone back to see how that developed and that I think also would have included not just mm. flashbacks to him being five but flashbacks to his life with um, the adoptive family, it would have been a lot – More effective. Been, well, yeah, it would have been more, more rounded. You'd have seen the story like – there's got to be a level of anger and a level of oh, absolutely in, in in him that about what's happened to him, and it's perfectly reasonable. But it but he always also... ta- firstly he always takes that out on like this angelic girlfriend that the the, the storyteller has nothing come up. to do with any of this, right? And secondly, it, um, although there that... is that scene where she's like, "That's not on you. That's not on me." Like That's she actually does scene. call it out. On him. Yeah. It's the same scene, but it's also it, it it kind of loses effect when it's so manufactured and scripted. And, and she also k- takes him back again, like, like instead of just them that being done and him going, him realizing that he's stuffed that up. She's actually there for him after they've broken up to yeah, support that. And then they sort of get back together again as well, and you're just like, why? <laughs> um, but the thing is, like a lot of that is. Like, I, I understood where it was coming from intellectually, but I think I would have had a better emotional connection with it if we'd seen it yep. unfold properly. And I understand intellectually, yes, there has to be a lot of anger, but it's all directed. It's it's a strange choice to have her in it so much. It's all directed kind of in those scenes with her. Like, she's a tool for the screenwriters to get all these ideas out while not taking it out on his family. But all that means is then taking it out on this girl who's done nothing. nothing. Um, And talking about privilege as well to somebody who is – uh, at this point in what's almost an emotionally abusive relationship is a really strange choice. Um, and the way that, like, yeah, it, it's it's really unpleasant and difficult to watch that happening. And there's also this whole story that you know is going on with Daisy Wenham and Mantosh in the background that you don't see any of. Um, mm-hmm. It's, like, yeah, keeping it all from within Saru's perspective, I suppose. But at the same time, you're like, but this is clearly having an effect on their family and the whole life yeah. that they're leading. And there's so it's much more all to this. Coming that- back to, I really like the idea of this movie, but it just wasn't well put together or executed. No, it wasn't. And it's shot really pretty too. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I looked at it and I was like, this is the Instagram style again. Yeah, it But is it does the- look nice. Well, it's the Instagram style, but it's much less um, confusing for me. I could follow what was going on in this one. And the actors are very good too, particularly Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman, and neither of them are afraid to look stupid either. And it doesn't have a warm soundtrack. It has a tinkly, inspirational yeah. piano soundtrack, um, which I don't like any better, but <laughs> no. um, at least I could hear what was going on. Yeah, it does. Dev Patel and Nicole Kidman are the only things holding. And, and Rooney Mara is a good actress, but she just didn't – she wasn't given a character. It's, it was all, it's it, not a person. Well, it's almost like they – to get the movie made, they had to get some hot young American star in it, and like Rooney Mara, British. Oh, Rooney Mara. I mean yeah. Rooney Mara. Yeah. No, no, I mean I like you meant Dev Patel. No, no, because well, because I'm I'm assuming Nicole Kidman's the reason they got money in the first place. But like it's it's Australian. but it feels like often in Australian movies there's like one yeah. American who comes in and it plays American in the the movie and she feels like that money, yeah. that character. Even though like I know that Nicole Kidman probably would have got the money for this. Possibly like getting Rooney Mara on board because David Fincher is thanked in the credits, and I guess there's some kind of connection there with money and. So but you could have written her well. a role, yes. instead of a caricature. She, I, she just, yeah. The, of all of the adult storyline stuff, which was never good, she just feels the most out of place. Um, 
but it never feels right. It never feels natural to what's happened before the movie. And it does feel a lot more Instagrammy. It's a lot of that natural light, like mm. blue lit, you know, apartment that he lives in, which is, by the way, much better than he should be able to afford, even if he's sleeping on a mattress in front of his yeah. obsession board. Yeah, that does actually tie in relatively well with the way the India segment is shot, though. So it kind of all tie. It all looks like it's of a piece. It does all look like it's of a piece, but it just doesn't have the same. When it's of the India stuff, it feels like you know why they're doing that. Well, it um, actually is the eighties, so the eighties filters. You know, yeah, it is the eighties and the eighties filters work, but it's also like it, it's um flashback and it's memory and it's not currently happening in front of you. Mm. So like having that kind of washed out, slightly fuzzy kind of feel to it works for it mm. um whereas in the present you're like but why is it fuzzy and flashbacky when it's the present or is it the present when are we supposed yeah. to be watching this well, movie from <laughs> and i think that um that's what i was talking about when they're trying to do the ptsd type stuff i don't think they do a good enough job of delineating the to the flashbacks very well yeah it actually reminded me a bit of um there's this movie i watched a while ago called balabo ah also um, an australian film which is an australian film about a real historical event that was also structured really badly, but it was, like, structured badly in a totally different way. It didn't do, like, the one story and then the other. It was like, this is a flashback, and then this is a flashback within that flashback, and then this is a flashback within that flashback within that flashback. And by the end of the movie, you're just like, I don't know when we are anymore. I don't know what's going mm. on. What are you giving it? Um, I gave Queen of Catwee two and a half stars, didn't I? Or three? Yeah, I think you were only two and a half on that. Yeah, I think I'll give this two and a half as well, because I feel like this is, like, better made on one front and worse made on another. <laughs> I was go uh, see I from the moment I walked out of this I was going to give it two and a half, but it, I, it seems like I liked it more than you, but I don't think it deserves anything more than two and a half. Um so two and a half stars from me as well. I don't know if it seems like you liked it more than me really. I think we just appreciated different things from That's it. That's probably true, yeah. Cuz I did think the acting was good and stuff, but I just don't think it was that effective and I think it was mm. more effective for you, but then a lot of the actual filmmaking techniques didn't work as well, so. No. Thank you for listening to Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Lion or any of the other movies that we watch, uh, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.